0: There's just been this massive shift where now there is so much opportunity online. It's like the new gold brush. And back in the day, if you were to tell me like, well, you can either tend these sheep or you can go to California and try to find some gold. I would have gone to California to try to find some gold. So like, it really got this opportunity for a different kind of lifestyle now because of the internet. It's huge.
1: This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of the Off Beat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we're also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to TheOffBeatLife.com to subscribe. In this episode, I speak with Will, who is a broke backpacker turned serial entrepreneur who has been traveling the world and hustling hard for over a decade. Today, he lives in Bali where he is building a co-working hostel, but Will is a very busy guy because he has a dozen different business ventures. He also runs Adventure Expeditions to Pakistan, and for three years now, he's been working on designing the perfect backpack out of recycled ocean plastics. So make sure to listen on to find out how Will turned from Broke Backpacker to creating the world's largest adventure travel blog with over a million views a month. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here. I am really excited to speak with my guest today. I'm here with Will. Hey Will, how are you?
0: Ahoy! Yeah, I'm great. How's it going?
1: I am wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to learn more about you. Can you tell us about yourself and why you live an offbeat life?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, I first started traveling about 12 years ago um, after a traumatic series of events. And I went to India and I didn't have a phone and I was sleeping rough and I was working on farms. And I was selling weed in Goa <laughs> and I was buying statues and selling them in festivals and all sorts. And I spent a couple of years bumming around India and really having a, um, a very different kind of experience to what had been planned for me. Um, and I, I learned a lot during that time. Um, and I started writing and I, I became passionate about writing. And A couple of years later, I started my travel blog, which is called The Broke Backpacker. We get about a million visitors every month. And we really focus on making travel accessible to everybody because what I was finding when I was doing all of my travels back in the day was that uh, all of the travel blogs that I could find, it was it was aimed at people who had money. I didn't have any money, and I didn't <laughs> mind being super uncomfortable if it meant that I got to see amazing things and meet amazing people and be in amazing places. And, and so I was very uncomfortable a lot of the time. I was like – sleeping on train tracks and camping out and couch surfing, which was very comfortable, actually. (laughs) Um, A lot of haggling and dumpster diving and hitchhiking, all this kind of stuff that really can kind of help you grow as a person and become more confident. So I wanted to share these hacks, these tactics, these strategies that I'd learned on the road to help me open up and meet people because I was a very shy kid and as well share like practical information on how exactly does one travel on $10 a day? Because you can totally do it, but there wasn't much info out there and now there is. <laughs>
1: because of you. EA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that is a lot of journey that you went through to get to this point. And you have a massive audience on your blog every single month. And you mentioned a million visits a month. That's, I mean, think about that. Yeah. If you had like a stage and you were in front of a million people, I mean, that's freaking crazy. That's, that's nuts. A lot of so how does this even go about? Like, how did you end up traveling? Like, what were you doing before? And how did you end up selling like weed? Where did you sell weed? And then like (laughs) selling statues, like some random, this is totally random, but it's so awesome.
0: (laughs) No, you see, it's actually highly relevant because when you're on the road um, you you end up inventing a lot of different ways to make ends meet. And I, I was, happy to do lots of different things and I, I i've done all kinds of random little jobs like i i milked goats to make goat yogurt <laughs> for a while uh, i've done i've done lots and lots of random things some of them very wholesome and good some of them a little bit more questionable uh like selling weed and other things in goa and you know they it was it was part of the journey i was i was spotting opportunities to make 50 100 bucks and i needed some money so it was it was a great opportunity for me to get out there and to to really work hard and to learn some skills along the way. And I think that that kind of trial by fire, you really have an incredible opportunity to grow as a person. And like I I was so shy, like I, I couldn't even talk to women. And it was challenging <laughs> to talk to like anybody really putting myself out of my comfort zone and embracing all of these opportunities um, was just an amazing way to move past that.
1: So what allowed you to push yourself to do that? Right. Because it seems like from your story, you were a real introvert, like you're very shy. And then to go out, yeah, to go out into the world because I know what this is like, you know, I'm I'm not an introvert. I love talking to people. But even as an extrovert, I think I've become an introvert now with the pandemic happening. (laughs) But I know like when you're traveling solo and there's a lot of strangers, you don't know anyone. That's pretty yeah. intimidating, but now you're not like that because you've done so many different things. How did you actually make that first push to do this, to start traveling and get yourself out of that, you know, little bubble that you had?
0: Honestly, I had um, I had a, a bunch of trauma. I had a very serious life-changing injury uh, and I spent a year uh, in a wheelchair and then on crutches and I gained a lot of weight, and I was depressed, and I was very unhappy, and I was no longer able to get into the army, which had always been my plan. Uh, So I really kind of lost quite a lot all at once, and my parents were like doting but extremely suffocating and wanted me to be a teacher, and I was just like, no – uh, that isn't what I want to do um, so I, I just left I, I went to the airport and I booked a one-way flight to India and that was where I ended up and I had a game in India which was relevant which was I had to speak to one more person than I had spoken to the day before and I got these up to like 56 people before I was like spending my whole day approaching people and I was like okay this is probably enough um, and that was a really powerful way for me to move past my insecurities and my shyness and To get to know people and you know what every now and again you will approach somebody and maybe they're having a bad day and maybe they'll put out some bad vibes it happens if you play that numbers game you'll realize that more often than not people are stoked to connect and to share stories and to share a cup of chai and to have a talk and to just connect on that deeper level and it's something that i think maybe was a little bit easier in the past because i didn't have a phone and I'm a very anti-phone traveler, by the way. Like I have a very strict phone system for myself. I'm not allowed on my phone after seven PM every night. Um, I've got a second phone that I use just for podcasts and stuff. Yeah, so I think that there wasn't that physical barrier back in those days, which definitely helped. Um, but I think for, for me, I, I had that traumatic series of events, and I really i needed i needed something to to get excited about, and I needed something to challenge myself so that I could prove to myself that whilst I had been injured and bedridden, um, I was still able to go out there and do hard things. So it was it was a very important lesson for me.
1: I mean, that's pretty incredible that you were able to, to do that for yourself. But I guess just thinking about being a teacher and being in the clasp of like, you know, your, your parents and yes, our parents love us, but then you also realize like, is this what my life is going to be? It's, it's, it, it's pretty depressing, isn't it? And it's, it's so funny because that actually happened to me too. will like I, you know, I'm Filipino, most Filipinos are like nurses. They wanted me to be a nurse and I did the same thing. I left the house. I'm like, I'm not going to be a nurse. <laughs> Like I'm doing something completely different and it's so funny how life is, right? If you think about it, like that split like time, the decision that you make could totally change what your life is going to be like. Like if you didn't leave for India and you stayed there, where would you be right now? Isn't that crazy? Know, like
0: drunk in a bar somewhere? <laughs> like that wouldn't always work out for me. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think the thing is, like, with with parents and with, you know, society in general is um, there's just been this massive shift where now they're is so much opportunity online. It's like the new gold brush. And mm-hmm. back in the day, if you were to tell me like, well, you can either tend these sheep or you can go to California and try to find some gold, <laughs> I would have gone to California <laughs> to try to find some gold. So like it really got this opportunity for a different kind of lifestyle now because of the internet. It's huge. There's billions of people on the internet. There's so much opportunity, whatever you were good at, whatever you were excited about, everything is available online. So I think that my parents and many other parents, they just don't understand that. And already, even now, I'm 32, right? There is opportunities on the internet right now, which I, like, I'm like. i not part of that generation. Like TikTok, i got no idea what TikTok is. <laughs> I, I have absolutely no idea. Like people keep being like, have you seen this TikTok video? I'm like, what is TikTok? Um, you know, so there's all these opportunities out there. But just more and more are continuing to pop up as the internet continues to evolve, as more people join. So I think there's really a huge shift happening at the moment where people are able to take control of their lives and build the life themselves that they want. And as long as you are not afraid of working hard, and as long as you are disciplined enough to like work on what really matters rather than dicking around on Instagram, <laughs> um, you can make it happen. So why would you be a teacher?
1: <laughs> Unless you want to be a teacher. We're, we're not saying it's a bad sure. thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. By the way, I was a teacher and I left that too, so... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's so interesting, right? Because now you have this massive website that you're running and you have a whole team that runs it with you and you have all of these other things. Even now you have a sex, even though you're extremely successful with your, your blog, you have all these other things and you talked about it. Like you have this hostel that you're building now in yeah. Bali. Like you just have your hands in so many different cookie jars. Like how do you stay kind of grounded and also motivated? And also, this is another thing that I used to be a victim of, like shiny object syndrome. Um, so how do you stop yourself from doing that?
0: That's a really good question. <laughs> um, firstly, I want to say that like, I do have my hands in a lot of things. Where, how that has happened is I've spotted an opportunity to level up what we're already doing. So for example, we sell thousands of backpacks a month. And right now, uh, for three years now, I've been working on our own backpack created out of recycled ocean plastics. We're on like prototype number 18, and we're nearly ready to launch that. And that is a business that makes sense because I can launch it and I know that I've got guaranteed sales coming through my main site. So I'm just leveling up what I've already got. Likewise, we run expeditions to Pakistan. I was one of the earlier people to really help put Pakistan on the map from a tourism point of view. So it was just kind of leveling up what we've already got. But it is hard for me not to start new businesses. I love starting new businesses. I really enjoy building businesses. I don't especially like running businesses, which is why I have so many point ventures where I'll bring someone in who I know, and I'll be like, right, you're doing all the work. Here's the strategy for a year. Go away. 50% of this is yours now, 50% of it is mine once I've been paid out X for my historical contribution. And I do those kind of deals a lot. So that allows me to continue building things, which is what I'm good at and what I enjoy. And then to kind of step away from the running a little bit. I think making sure that I'm not just chasing after new things. I think for me, it's really discipline around like just not wasting my time on on my phone, on my laptop, checking you know various sites compulsively. It's important to... Really make sure that you're focused in your work, and I'm I'm very goal orientated. I've got all over my house, like whiteboards on every in, in every single room. There is a whiteboard, and I'm just affirming what my goals are for the year, what my goals are for the month, which projects need my attention right now, and which projects are with my lieutenants. And if if someone else is looking after a project, I trust them. They've been working with me for three or four years, so they know what to do. So certainly, I mean, having that discipline around knowing what kind of business really fixes a problem and really builds on what you're already doing and having the discipline to say no is because I get pitched all the time. So you've got to say no. Otherwise you're forever doing things where you're putting in the value and you're not really getting any value out. Um, So yeah, those would be my tips for that.
1: Love that. And it's shiny object uh, syndrome can happen at any time, right? As a beginner, someone in the middle, someone who's, been doing this for a while someone like you will and you're right it's just saying no to to things that are not really opportunity like they wrap themselves up as opportunities but they're really more work and they distract you from things and then there's certain things that like your backpack for example that you're talking about that is such a freaking great idea first of all because you're selling thousands for other companies now you're going to create one for yourself so like that is is like Gold right there, so that's just such a great example of what really understanding what an opportunity looks like and what a distraction is.
0: That's the kind of thing I get really excited about. But like, I'm constantly being pitched by people to like start an app or start some kind of um group chat on Slack or whatever, so travelers all over the world can connect. It's a cool idea, it's a cool idea. But it's been tried a thousand times. And the reason nobody's been successful is it's a user acquisition game. And unless you can get a million users in the first six weeks, you're dead in the water. So people are like, oh, well, he's got a million users. If you think I can sign up every single person who visits my <laughs> website over the next month to anything, you're having a laugh. So, I mean, it's it's a case of like trying to find those deals like the backpack, like the hostel. because I, I, I do a lot of hostel bookings and I do a lot in the digital nomad space. So it makes sense to build this digital nomads, co-working hostel in Bali, we can just level up on what we're already doing. Whereas if somebody comes to me with like a brand new venture where I can't utilize a lot of the resources, team members and skills that I've already got, it's got to be a good opportunity for me to be interested because I, I know it's going to be a lot of work. So yeah, I think, it's, I think it's really important to focus on like, if you're focusing on more than three things in your like business life, I start to feel overwhelmed personally. <laughs> so I've normally got like three major things that I'm working on. I've got like a whole list of hundreds of other things that are going on in the background. But it's it's three things. As soon as I try and take it to four, as soon as I'm working actively on four projects, it's just too much for me. I end up not really finishing anything. So I'm putting hours into everything, but it's just it's not it's not really working. It's moving like treacle, you know.
1: Yeah, I know how that feels. <laughs> <laughs> And, and you know, when you were like, yeah, you got to say no to things. The one I started saying no to things, that's when things actually started moving. Cause I'm like, Absolutely. I'm, you know, like I stopped doing stuff that I really don't need to do. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the secret. It's just saying no yeah. to things that I don't need. Yay.
0: <laughs> and you know, I think a big part of it is saying no to yourself as well. So you mm-hmm. might be like today I'm finished. I'm feeling, I'm feeling stoked about doing some work. I'm going to pull a 10, 12 hour day. And then you might spend ten to twelve hours, like redesigning your logo or like messing around on your Facebook page or whatever. And the, the thing is, like, kudos to you, your heart is in the right place of wanting to put in those hours of understanding that to get anywhere decent online, you've got to put in hours. So you're working hard, but you are not working smart, and yeah. that's the problem. Like, there's you know, there's like ten percent of what you need to do will really move the needle. That eighty five percent, so it's important to find out what those tasks are and do them. Oh, and surprise, surprise, half of the time, the tasks that really move the needle is the stuff you don't want to do. And that's just the way it is. But you've got to buckle on down and get it done because, you know, redesign your logo every week and messing around on social media and answering <laughs> comments. It's, it's not going to make a difference. really. You You're know?
1: talking to me right now because that's exactly what I was doing in the beginning. And I'm like, the hell am I doing? And then I realized I'm like, I'm not doing business. That's why I'm yeah. just twiddling my thumbs and redesigning BS that it doesn't even need to get done. Like, you could hire somebody to do this and Absolutely. not waste your time on this. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that hit the me. On the topic right there. of like hiring people, <laughs>
0: I think, you know, I think on the topic of hiring people, like, it's important to know what you're good at and what only you can do. And um, a good example of this is a lot of people hire someone to do their SEO. Not possible. Uh, SEO is a holistic process that has to be hard baked into every element of your content creation from beginning to end. You cannot outsource it. You can only outsource building links and you probably shouldn't do that because the chances are that you're going to get a bunch of terrible links that could tank your site. So it's important to like, whereas like logo design, that's something I would outsource. Like, why am I going to spend my time? spending 10 hours familiarizing myself with a piece of design software when I can pay someone 50 or a hundred dollars and get something back and it takes like 15 minutes for me to give them the brief so I think it's really important to just know what should be done by you and to know what your strengths are and to utilize those strengths rather than like trying to learn some new skills where you're not going to get enough mileage out of learning that new skill to make it worthwhile and I outsource a lot um, I know what I'm good at and I'm almost a little bit resistant to learn like new things at this point because I'm like, you know, I, I, like that, that came out wrong. That's not what I meant. But I meant like new business skills, like if, if, if it's a choice between learning how to code, for example, or hiring a shit hot coder, I'm going to hire a shit hot coder, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't really need to be an expert in everything, right? You just need to learn a little bit so that you know that they're doing the right thing. And then you can hand it off um, and trust them that they're going to do it the right way. And obviously, you're going to check it. And I'm the same way. Like last week or two weeks ago, my podcast is almost 100% passive now. Like it's all done by somebody else except for the one thing that I can't outsource, which is this, which is talking to you. And it's my favorite part. And, um, you know, a lot of my business is like that, too. So I love it. I'm like, Will is like my go-to now because he's pretty much like where I want to be someday. So I'm like, this is... is It's It's like awesome. So let's talk about your blog because this is what you're well, you have a lot of bread and butter, but for the most part, this is what you're known for your blog. How did you get from, you know, not knowing what you were doing to now a million visits a month? What do you think was the one thing or maybe the three things that really helped you get to this point?
0: Yeah. I mean, there is honestly, there is, there's a few different reading parts to it. I think, um, creating quality content because a lot of travel content out there, it's very inspirational, but it's not particularly practical. It doesn't really give you any information. It doesn't. It, it kind of skirts around the uncomfortable parts of travel. That, that is what we focus on. We, we, we focus on hitchhiking, on couch surfing, on traveling on $10 a day, on how to travel on $10 a day whilst not being a dick, whilst being an ethical, compassionate human. So you're not (laughs) ripping off other humans when you're traveling on $10 a day. You're you're utilizing, you know, your toolkit to make sure that you're traveling in a sustainable way that um, brings opportunity to yourself and to people you meet so this is really what we focus on honestly I feel like we filled a niche I feel like this particular part of travel hadn't been covered well and we did a good job of covering that and of constantly pushing the envelope to go to new places like Venezuela like Iran like Pakistan where maybe there isn't so much content and Helping break down barriers and show people these are amazing countries and that these lesser visited and more amazing countries are places where you have these crazy opportunities of personal growth. So one, I think we filled a niche. Two, I hands down have the best team in, in this space. Like there's absolutely no doubt I, I have the best team and finding this talent, training people, inspiring people, giving people a reason to want to work on the site. And what I've done there is like my senior team, they all have a percentage of the site. So everything Mm. that the site makes at the end of the year on top of their wage, they get a disbursement and these disbursements are big. Like before COVID TVB alone outside of all my other sites was, was making seven figures a year and it was a nice number. So you can make a lot of money. You can make a lot of money doing this kind of, um, doing this kind of content if you do it well. And I would say like so with my team and with keeping our content organized and creating our content in a way that is uh, logical and cost effective. Like I've spent a lot of time building systems so that our content, it's quick and it's fairly simple. It's, it's, it's cookie cutter. Working out the dimensions of those cookie cutters at the beginning was really hard and took me hundreds of hours to figure out how to build a system where you've got somebody writing the content, somebody doing all of the graphic stuff, the buttons, the links, the tables, and then somebody giving it a proof at the end, um, building that in a way that was cost effective and in a way that could be scaled, that was a big part of our success for sure. And then the third part is SEO. I mean, like we are we are SEOs. We don't do social media like at all 99.9% of our traffic is from SEO I'm personally very against social media and like being a (laughs) blogger like is that a difficult line to walk so I've pretty much just quit social media there's somebody running it for me I'm I'm not involved but yeah I think we we've created a lot of success by doing a lot of testing looking at data finding out what, what it is Google wants this month and Boy, 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 it can change on like a day-by-day basis. So constantly analyzing that data, finding tiny, tiny little wins, and then rapidly rolling that win out across all 3,000 pieces of content on the site. That that moves the needle for sure, is, uh, is asking what Google wants and how we can help answer search queries in the best possible way.
1: That is amazing. And obviously, this took you years to figure all of this out. And, you know... It's, it's pretty incredible, right? Because this is a lot of work. Like all of this stuff that you did, it's pretty incredible because most people, and I've done the research, most people don't even make a dollar from blogging. And for you to mm. make seven figures, yeah. you know, and, and make yourself still relevant after all of these years, because there's also a lot of blogs out there that Girl. are really yeah. great. And then all of a sudden, they're gone. What do you think has kept you relevant throughout all of this after all of these years and just allowed you to keep growing?
0: I think there's two things. Firstly, I'm extremely aggressive with spending. So, um, pre COVID like, uh, easily six figures a month, easy during COVID I was, I was losing like 40 grand a month. Mm. Like I was spending from my savings, 40 grand a month was, was going out and I was taking nothing home. And that was to pay my staff, And to continue to invest in revamping the site, making it super fast, making it as SEO friendly as possible. So we're super, we're very aggressive with our spending and that pays off. And what that means is that I meet someone um, in a hostel or somebody reaches out to me. And if they fit our ethos and what I'm going for, and they're, you know, they're someone who's got real experience with real hard, far out there travel and all the personal development that comes along with that, I hire them. And that means that I look, I'm 32. Like I like nice things. I have a nice life. Uh, I'm I'm not the broke backpacker anymore, but we have broke backpackers on the site writing and creating the content. And that means that the site stays relevant. I am able to stay genuine. I, I do not like people introducing me as the broke backpacker because it's not really relevant or <laughs> accurate anymore. But um, like you're
1: like, I'm bougie now.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, a little bit, a little bit. Look, I'm, I'm I'm the OG broke backpacker. I did my time and I enjoyed it. And I just recently came back from a month in Pakistan where I was camping and hiking and seeing all my friends and doing all my stuff. I still love getting out there and being rough and real and ready. But um, to really create the kind of site that I want, which has in-depth how-to guides and also enough of a kick someone in the ass to get them moving, to get them inspired, to get them feeling confident. That needs to come from the next generation of broke backpackers. And I've hired some of the best people I can find to make sure that we continue to provide that, continue to stay relevant. Because like you say, a lot of blogs just drop off. And a lot of blogs, I won't name any, a lot of blogs like the owner finds some success and they try to outsource all of it so that they're no longer really doing any work. And then the whole thing kind of like fizzles and crackles away because the people who they're hiring, there's loads of unemployed travel riders, You can hire people cheap, right? So the people they're hiring, they're paying them some money, but they're not incentivizing them properly. And I've incentivized my team properly. I've got people working for me who are taking home 50, 60 grand a year. And they're, they're, they're working whilst they travel. I've, I've created jobs. are the kind of job that I wish I had found when I was a younger (laughs) man. And that means that honestly, I've got the best team. They're they're great people. And they enable me to like keep pumping out fantastic, informational, inspiring content.
1: And I think that's something that I really want to emphasize here is that you're paying people to do really good work because it's very hard to find people who can do very good work. So... I mean, I, I know this for a fact, there's just, it's kind of like just finding, you know, diamond, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible. And when you find them, you gotta know how to incentivize them. Like you're talking that's about it. will and keeping them right.
0: Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. You know, it's, it's actually like, you will find, you will find diamonds in the rough who are excited to come work for you and who are excited to be a part of what you're doing. But at some point, the other shoe will drop. And if you're paying this person $14 an hour, and that's it, and they're building your empire, and you're taking home, you know, good money. At some point, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to quit, but they're going to stop working so hard. There's going to be some resentment that builds up. It's much better to build a kind of team atmosphere and to have these disbursements at the end of the year that people get excited about. Um, It means that when someone's working, they don't feel they're just working for an hourly wage and working to put money in the boss man's pocket. No, they're, they're getting their hourly wage, but they know that what they're doing is going to directly translate into a tasty disbursement at the end of the year. And until I started doing that, I had a big churn on staff and it was it was a problem. I would find someone, I would mentor them, they'd be great for a year and then they'd fuck off and do like a blog <laughs> that was as identical to mine as possible, which happened several so oh, times. Oh, wow. Um, so like finding finding people who have a bit more of a moral compass and who I'm able to keep on that moral compass by making them a part of the journey and a part of the reward, that was a game changer for sure.
1: Yeah. And, and that, the one thing that you're talking about, too, is you put out a lot of time and energy to uh, teach people all of these skills. Yeah. So imagine like if you didn't incentivize them, like the churn like you're talking about, it's just that's a lot of work for you to keep doing it over and over again.
0: It, it really can be. It really can be. I haven't had to do that now for about three years because wow. the team that I've had for the last three years, whilst I've added to it, I haven't lost any major players. So it, it's, we've got an amazing team. It's like it's a bunch of us. We're having our team retreat later on in the year. This is the thing with you know running remote teams. I really think if you can afford it, it makes sense to get everybody in a room together for a week, once a year, because I've noticed But for like six months after that, it's like you've just put rocket fuel in everybody's drink. Everybody's excited, (laughs) they're bantering, they're more like having fun with their communications around their workloads. And it's 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 a well worth it investment for sure.
1: That is amazing. So I know you travel, well, not right now, obviously. I don't well, I don't know, but uh, you travel it's pretty hard. (laughs) It's harder than it was before, but you're still a traveler. I mean, you know, you're like the OG of the backpacker world. So when <laughs> you are when you are traveling around, is there a specific travel insurance that you like to use?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there is actually, um, and that is World Nomads. I've I've been using them for, for I don't know twelve years, and I've claimed on them three times, and every time they've been great. There was one incident that really springs to mind where I had uh, dengue um, and I was in Thailand and I ended up in a very, very dodgy little clinic on one of these tiny islands. It didn't have a hospital and it was a dodgy clinic and they took my passport and wouldn't give it back to me until the exorbitant bill had been paid. And I called World Nomads and they were like, they can't do that. That's illegal. And I was like, yep, I know, but they have done that. And I'm seriously fucking sick. You need to sort it out. And they paid it immediately even though it was like against their policy, they paid it to to sort out my situation. So I've only had good experiences with them um, and it's a genuine recommendation.
1: That is amazing. And especially with everything that's happening in the world, like, you know, with the pandemic and everything, that's kind of crazy. Like things that you didn't even know that you would need and things that you didn't know that could happen to you. So I'm so glad that your insurance company did that, like World Nomad did that. That is really good. And I also love the fact that a lot of, you know, the companies that you're going to be kind of going to, you know, go through and see is not as comprehensive as that, right? They're not going to be able to to do that. And you mentioned that they weren't even supposed to do that. So
0: no, awesome. she did, the woman on the, on the end of the phone definitely like was not supposed to be doing that but she did to help me <laughs> out and i hugely appreciated that also like on a serious note like world world nomads unlike a lot of the other insurance providers they actually create a lot of pretty good content online like a lot of the content that they've created is pretty decent i helped them create some of their pakistan content and it's, it's pretty good you know i mean insurance companies get a bad rap right no, no one likes spending money on insurance it's not exactly very exciting But um, it's something you've got to have. You've got to have it for sure. Like there's been a couple of occasions where um, I've racked up big medical bills whilst traveling. So not having it is just like not an option. You've got to have it for sure.
1: Yeah, and especially right now, I think more and more people are trying to get international insurance especially when they're traveling because of everything that's happening right now whether you're going to get stuck there you don't know the different requirements that they're going to have when it comes to the health insurance one of the companies that I really love and I have been talking about this every single time is Integra Global because they do have really good comprehensive plans that we're talking about Um, during the pandemic they were actually one of the only companies well that were paying people because of the pandemic. And they really, really just, wow. yeah, it was it that's was pretty, pretty awesome. incredible because there were so many people that were getting stuck, right, um, in different countries and they couldn't go home or um, there something happened to them and they couldn't pay for it. And Integra Global was actually just one of those companies that had it built in. So
0: oh, that's really honorable. I, I feel like a lot of companies with this pandemic, you know, it was a hard time for everybody big companies included, but I feel like a lot of companies did not really behave with honor and integrity. So, yeah. you know, as a, as a consumer, which unfortunately we all are, <laughs> uh, this kind of gives us that opportunity to choose who we want to give our money to and to try yeah. and give it to the companies that are going to act honorably.
1: Exactly. And that's one of the things, right? It's when you really see the true colors of certain companies, which, you know, it's bad at that time, but then you know who you want to be with. So, and they don't, you know, one of the things about Integra Global that I really love is they don't ask their members to build a plan because Mm -hmm. we don't know what we're going to need, especially when we're traveling. So that's why their insurance really covers it all and everything is built in. So if you all want to know more about it, you can go to IntegraGlobal.com. and you can see how they can give you the coverage that you'll need and maybe some that you never knew you would like you're talking about like how did you know you're gonna have dengue or like (laughs) the pandemic is gonna happen which is pretty crazy but love it thank you so much for that recommendation will so question for you let's say 50 years from now right and you're looking back at your life what legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for
0: I don't know, like climate eco-terrorist blowing up <laughs> some oil rigs or something would be pretty cool. Um I I don't know. What do I want to be remembered for? I mean, 50 years is is a long time in the future. I'm I'm very excited to have a family. That's something that I'm looking forward to doing. I think that for me, like building businesses that are eco-focused, that give back, that provide jobs for great people in Often, uh, countries where there isn't maybe so much opportunity, like Pakistan and Iran, we do some work there. Um, I think, you know, I, I love building businesses. I'm a passionate entrepreneur. I'm addicted to personal growth. Like I record everything. I journal in like four different journals. So I think for me, I'm on this journey at the moment. And I'm not quite sure exactly where it's going to end, but I know that I'm no longer motivated by money. Uh, I am instead motivated by building businesses that can give back and make a difference. So that, that is really what I want to focus on. I want to focus, it would be great to be remembered as somebody who could help show that entrepreneurship can be an incredible force for good. And that that, that is something that I'm really passionate about that message. And there's many great entrepreneurs doing great things out there. I'm, I'm, I'm like a little baby in this pond, you know, just lots <laughs> of people doing amazing shit. Um, so if I can, reach for where they are currently and try to inspire people to become entrepreneurs but also to do entrepreneurship projects in areas like that matter like protecting the planet like trying to move towards clean energy like trying to reduce our carbon footprint these are all things i'm passionate about and that's what i want to move on to focusing on in in the next 10 years
1: I love that your business allows you to do all of these things now, right? That you're really passionate about. And you know, like you mentioned, it's not about the money anymore because you've made the money that you could make. And it's like after a certain amount, it's all just the same, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I don't need I don't need a private jet. I I want to be able to fly (laughs) business class wherever I go, but I don't need a I need a private jet. I don't I don't need a yacht, you know, like it's a waste of money. If you've got Three or four million dollars in the bank is set, and the difference in lifestyle between three and four million dollars and like thirty to forty million dollars—it's—it's it's, it's not as big as you'd think, and it's probably not worth chasing. So for me, there's things I want to do, there's people I want to help out, and I'm not quite where I will finish yet, but I will get there in the next couple of years. And after, after that, you know, there's books I want to write, there's screenplays I want to finish. I've been working on some poems, it's all kinds of random little things that I'm doing, <laughs> and I want to swing back onto those. Rather than chasing money, I want to, I want to focus on new projects where if, if it can wash its face, if it's not losing money and if it's doing some good or if it's something in an area that I'm interested in, that's fine. That, that, that's the kind of thing I want to focus on for sure.
1: Yeah. And remember everyone, Will is only 32. So. <laughs> You know, like talking to you, Will, you sound like you're like in your 50s already. Not to say that you're you're sounding old, but like your experience and everything you've done already. It's it's a lot. That's a lot of experience in the short amount of time that you've been in this world. So I can't even imagine what the next 50 is going to be like. And you're probably well, not probably. You're definitely going to own all that stuff that you talked about because you're so young.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's right, thanks, awesome. I mean, definitely being on the road as young as I was and going to you know countries like I always refer to Pakistan because it's my favorite country, but going to countries like Pakistan rather than somewhere like Thailand, which is more set up for holidays and people who want to see a new country but don't really want to step out of their comfort zone, doing all that stuff young made a huge a huge difference and really inspired me to to keep pushing myself out of my comfort zone as often as possible. I do things that make me uncomfortable all the time. And, and that is, it's important to do that because otherwise the breadth of experiences that you can have shrinks and the uh, amount of real connections that you can have that shrinks as well. So I think it's just important to keep pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. if you do that, you can gain some awesome life experiences along the way.
1: Yeah. And, and I do believe that too. I feel like you know, in your teens, and your 20s, like all of that should just be exploration. I feel like a lot of people push like you need to know what you need to do like during those times. But I'm always like just try new things yeah, during absolutely. that like decade and don't settle yet until you find something that's really for you. And that's the same thing that I did, too. And that's why we're here doing actually things that we love instead of being miserable somewhere right because it's that part of exploration that I think most people skip and then they realize it when they're like 40 years old and they have their midlife crisis and then it becomes like yeah really bad so yeah Yeah. if you you could do it then do it if you're in your 20s your teens even in your 30s and 40s I'm like go for it it's never too late absolutely I mean you
0: know life you know corny but life is a journey and it's important that like you are taking those steps yourself and you're, you're, you're walking your path with intention and you're making sure that routine is great. Routine is a really powerful way to like bake in habits, but you've got to make sure your routine is good and you've got to make yeah. sure you ain't slipping into something that is less healthy or less wholesome than it could be. You know, keep, reach, keep reaching, keep pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and the opportunities for growth and money, and whatever it is you're looking for, you know, love, friendship, connection—it's all there. You just got to push yourself out of your comfort zone to get it.
1: Love that. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Bill. Oh, we pleasure. really appreciate it. If our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you?
0: Uh, on the broke backpacker, just type in the broke backpacker, you'll find me. Uh, I know, I'm on Instagram, although it's per- it's currently like deleted from my phone. So if you message <laughs> me on there, it's going to be a slow response. Yeah, come, come find me on the blog. I'm there. I'm also on, um, yourdesk.com, which is somewhere where I occasionally blog. Like maybe once every couple of months, I'll put a post up there about like lessons I've learned through entrepreneurship over the last six months or books I'm currently reading or like mindsetting practices, just whatever I'm passionate about in the moment. I, I regurgitate it all there. So there's some interesting bits and pieces on there
1: love it we're definitely going to go check that out and we really appreciate you sharing all of your knowledge with us today will thank you so much for being here again
0: yeah my pleasure thank you
1: i hope you enjoyed this interview with will make sure to visit the offbeatlife.com again that's the offbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where he shares how to build your online team and mass produce content hey friend have you been wanting to start a podcast i know it can be overwhelming in the beginning believe me i have been there lucky for you we have created a new site called com that shares a ton of freebies that can help you get started from launching growing to monetizing we share it all in one place visit com for more information hey listeners thank you for listening to this episode and i'm so thankful for your support I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey and I can't wait to hear how your location independent story will unfold.